1: Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Welcome in, Rob Black. I'm trying to get you to retirement one day at a time if I can. One financial tip at a time. Like, don't ignore inflation in the long run. It's a boogeyman. If you need to save to live off $50,000 a year today to cover your living expenses, it will be about $92,000 in about the next 15 years. So you do the math, every 15 years, add 42,000 to your 50,000 total. So if you need 200,000, quadruple it to 360,000. 200,000 will need 360,000, roughly tied towards historical rates of inflation, not exasperated rates of inflation, just normal 3% a year. Be aware of how biased an investor you are. Is a great tip, hint, trick. It's difficult to invest in stocks on your own. In large part, a lot of people historically have gotten in highs and sold at lows. They hear about the market doing great. They want to piece of that action. They buy high. Then it comes down for whatever typical, normal, healthy correction or bear market that is not normal and healthy. Well, it's healthy. But people tend to, you're biased. You don't understand. You're too heavy in tech and you don't really like corrections. If you enjoy investing, self-manage only a small, small portion of your portfolio. Truer words can never be said. I tend to say, for the average person, start with acorns. I've got a friend in radio who is a younger man than I am. And I'm like, okay, just. Do your 401k and do acorns for the next couple of years. And then you're going to slowly but surely get to 50 to 100,000. And then once you get to 50 to $100,000 in index funds, then if you want to stretch your legs and go into an individual stock like Google, do it. I'm fine with that. But have broad diversification first. And then give yourself six months with one individual stock before you add a second one. What's your benchmark when it comes to investing? How much stocks, how much bonds, and what's the combination? And do you have too much real estate? Try to understand stocks, bonds, cash, real estate are all assets. And the more you could say, I'm 100% stock guy. If you can write it down, that makes it true. I once carved a girl's initials on a tree when I was, I want to say nine. Name was Tracy. I was Robert. And I carved her niche and I never had the the courage to show her. But in my head, if she saw that, she knew my love. I didn't like go my whole life without saying it. I wrote it down and I made it true. If you're to put a gun to my head, active stock management versus passive, I'm going to passive. Beware nudies is a great hint tip trick. Annuities, I see them all the time, and most of them are not good. They're complicated, difficult to understand contracts that favor the corporations that write them for you. They're insurance policies. They're not investments. They're a way of managing your retirement income that needs to appeal to the it's too good to be true. You can't lose your money. You're capped on your gains up. And there is some protection, but you pay a lot for that protection and paying a lot for that protection and commissions and fees tends to eat away your overall performance to the point of it's not worth it. I'm not saying all annuities are bad. I'm saying 98% of them are. And that's like you going on 100 dates and into like date 30, you're like, this is the one. I'm like, I'd be careful. You got to wait to 100 just to find two they are the one. Same thing with annuities. Be very cautious. I like writing my goals down. I think that's a great hint tip trick. How much money do I want to leave when I die to my heirs is my question. That's my goal. And as I get older, I want to leave more. As I start seeing what my kids' strengths are, I'd rather them be good humans and be a dentist who goes to a low-income country and helps with dental issues. I'd rather them be doctors and for them to work in a different country other than work in the United States and be high profile. I want them to do good work and I want them to love the world. I want them to be loved for the human beings they are. My goal in this whole investing shtick is to live comfortably until I die, to have my spouse live comfortable until she dies. With a lot of love from our children and our community. And then to pass on enough so that they can do whatever they want and highlight the good humans they are. I know you're saying you're going to make it too easy for them. I think I might, and that's my goal. I was raised with a pursuit of victory. I was raised with a pursuit of winning at all costs. Me and my brothers hated each other growing up. We had a contest to see what have the highest SAT scores. Everyone knew I wasn't going to be the one, and I was the one. Because I spent my whole high school education system planning how to do that not necessarily having a good balance of social life i figured out the math of the sat so i could beat my brothers you know there's little survival games that sometimes you pay play at uh uh like team bonding events like if you're in a plane and it goes down in alaska what 10 things do you need from the plane and it's always things like water and mirrors and you know a tarp rope glass um I knew we were going to do one of those. And I studied survival tactics before we went into the meeting. So I I didn't go to a boy scout camp. I I studied that. So I knew that I would win and everyone would go like, how did he know that? Not being right. That's not important to me. Competitive. And that's not good. I don't want my children to have that that angle. Sports are fine to be competitive. It crossed a line into my family with me as a child. Um, start determining how long you have left to earn money and then start determining how long you need it to last for you. A 70 year old would have a 30% in equities used to be the idea. Um, It used to be a rule on wall street. I don't think that's right anymore. And then they, they said, okay, take your age and subtract it from 120. So let's say you're 70. You should be 50% stocks. Eh, I don't know. It depends how big your pot is and how big your goals are. It's not a bad way to start, but it's a horrible way to assume. Be very clear in your life about your family support system, whether it be your spouse. I think she's super important for me. I really don't care about my brothers at this point. As far as their input goes, I'm the most successful of them all. But I'm not going to let them like try to help me or... Be in the decisions of investing for me and my family. Think through the details of transitioning assets to your spouse and your children. I will eventually die. How do I want that to go? Clearly, I want it to go to the wife. If she gets remarried, I don't want it to go to the new husband. If she dies, I don't want it to go to him. If she dies, I want it to go to the kids. I have that mapped out legally. Do you? Hence, tips and tricks. Much, much more financial planning issues, investing, getting into retirement. I'm Rob Black.
0: The fortune-making spirit of today's marketplace, The Rob Black Show.
1: (laughs) There's a commercial in financial radio and on the internet podcast where they're talking about real estate and they're talking about the future in the past and is now the time (laughs) to get in or has it moved up too much? The beauty about that is that commercial's 20 years old and it hasn't changed. And 20 years ago... We might've been coming off the 2006, 2008 housing recession. It was awful. I bought a home during that period of time. And I was like, I wonder if we're paying too much because prices keep dropping. 2000 to 2002, there's an underperformance 2006, 2008. There's some underperformance. There's not always underperformance. So people kind of get lured into it. So people always wonder about timing. Um, if you're not going to buy real estate for 5, 10, 15 years, I, I don't think you should do it. The transaction costs are high. Can you make money? Yes. And I have some shocking stories for you about how much wealth I've made in kind of laddering up homes in my whole life, starting with something I really couldn't afford at 100000 to where I am now at a home that at one point, well, I don't, I don't have to get into it. Let's just say, It's been very financially good because I own real estate, but it's also been better because I own stocks where I would have become a disaster of a human being if I only lived on income. The difference between the wealthy in my mind, because I started with no wealth, because I started living paycheck to paycheck from 18 to 23 Um, And I only got into investing with a car accident, car settlement that got me thinking I should save this versus invest this because I didn't see myself as becoming wealthy. I saw myself as becoming successful. But the ability to save some of your money and invest in the stock market is going to get you great returns over the long term, better than in cash or spending it. That's what I'm going to define by great, okay? And the ability to own your own home instead of renting it is going to create equity over time. Stocks beat bonds and bonds beat real estate historically. Now, bonds have not been the place to be in the last 15 years. They could be in the future. If you start seeing high interest rates when the 10-year treasury is at 3.5%, 4%, that's when I favor bonds. Now, I said that 20 years ago. So I haven't had to actually practice that. I've I've been more stocks than bonds. I don't own any personal bonds. So last I left off, I think you create wealth by other than income, you have to save and you have to invest. That's just my opinion. Saving gives you the ability to weather a storm if you lose your job. Investing gives the opportunity to grow in faster than cash. So if you're living pay-to-check-to-paycheck, you're probably going to work till the day you die or, in my opinion, suffer a little bit of, how shall we say, uh, below your current lifestyle in retirement. I think it's super important if you're going to aim for creating wealth, and wealth could be anywhere between, in my mind, 500000 and $4 million, Anything above that's probably gravy for most people. But involve your children. I am not lying to you this weekend. My son said to me, Uh, 11 year old said to me, hey, dad can teach me about stocks. I'm like, when when the time's right, son, when the time's right. And he was like, how much did you pay in taxes last year? I'm like, that is the greatest question I've heard in a long time because no one in the world has the, the, the balls to say it, the cojones. And I gave him props. And I said, keep asking questions like that. Ask me again in a year or two. But I involved my children in my money. I'm one of those dads who lets them give the credit card to the waiter, waitress. I let them sign what 10%, what 15%, what 20% is. For the record, I'm saying 10%, not because the waiter waitress, but like that's when you're like when you're getting like a safeway delivery. You're like, how much do I tip a uh, delivery? And you don't know. And it gives you an automatic, like, do we you look it up and anyway, I'm never cheap. Never cheap with service people because I used to be a service person before college. So I involve my children. Long-term care is really not going to be an issue for me if I'm a betting man. I saw my dad die before he was 60. And I saw my mom's health. She lasted till 85. So I think I'm going to go somewhere between 60 and 85. Her parents have made it to 85. So historically, my average is going to be lower than hers because my dad really kind of, Messed it up for me, for lack of a better word. So long-term care, I'm hoping she sticks around for me. I don't have a lot of long-term care. I've got almost nothing. It's all in her name because in all likelihood, she's going to outlive me. But there's also enough money to cover long-term care and not eat away all our retirement savings for our children's uh, inheritance. So I've got it covered, maybe not by the historically norm. You need to figure out what works for you. I include my family in my long-term care planning, starting with a spouse and then into her family of people who may have to help her plan my death and or plan a stroke and what I look like. I've got a good friend who's a comedian. You've heard him on the show in the past, Will Durst. He had a stroke that left him unable to get up and down stairs. The home that they own in San Francisco has stairs going up and down the home. It's been two and a half years since the stroke. He does a lot of fundraisers. You can Google him, Will Durst, and you'll see like healthcare is expensive. And he was a nationally known comedian. Like a Bob Saget, political, so maybe not as widespread, but still popular and he still made money, a whole career through it. And he's got, has problems making ends meet because of how expensive not working is and how physically challenging it is to get up and down stairs. So let your family know about your healthcare issues. And if you have enough or not, had he let me know 10 years ago, I would have said, this is terribly inadequate. Are you planning to work till the day you die? And if he said, yes, I'd be like, okay, you need to plan on this now. But a lot of times friends don't trust you because they want to keep money to themselves. I have no shame in money. I had a girlfriend once when I was starting to become, how shall we say over 18 and having adult relationships. And in my mid twenties, I'd given up soccer. So I got in a little bit of a dad bod before I was a dad kind of thing. She goes, I like it. Don't worry about it. I like it. So, and I was like, thank you. Like that's taking the shame out of, you know, can you pinch an inch, taking the shame out of not having perfectly toned six packs, I'm not impressed with six packs. I'm impressed with retirement knowledge. A um, couple other tips that I want to hit, hit it is, so get over your shame with that one is don't pay down your mortgage until you're wealthy. A mortgage is the lowest cost of money you're probably going to get in your lifetime. And if you've got a mortgage from say, 2010 to 2025, they're probably really, really low rates. We don't know where the future is going to go. But in the last 10 to 15 years, we've had historically low rates comparative to where we were 20, 25, 30 years ago. It's a low cost loan. That's the last one you want to pay off. Don't pull a Susie Armand and go, "Pay pay off the smallest balance. No, no, pay off the highest interest rate first. Be a grown up and learn like, yeah, you may have seven credit cards that you paid off, but pay off the highest balance first. Don't pay off one just to get rid of one. Don't pay off one just to give yourself a pat on the back. Always target high debt cost versus low cost debt. When you start to head towards retirement, I'm in a 3,200 square foot home when I know that I'm three to five years away, I'm going to buy my next home and I'm going to start supplying it. Um, I know that I don't want to be in a 3,200 square foot home when my kids are done with college, maybe for a year if they're like, yeah, I'm gonna travel the world and I need a place to crash when I come home. But I'm gonna downsize. There's no doubt about it in my mind. Um, And that's okay. That's also gonna save me money. Um, Right now, you may want a home large enough for big gatherings or extended family. If you can see holding a larger property for an extended period of time, and you don't need regular income from the investment you make, uh, you might go a little bit bigger. I get it. That's going to be a decision for you to make. I review my real estate on a quarterly basis because unlike stocks, you can't see the price of it. You have to go to Zillow to get an estimate, a Zestimate. You have to go to Redfin to get a Zestimate. I was shocked when I recently looked because it kind of went sideways It was going up. Just a little bit here. And then we saw a headline in national news real estate jumps 15% year over year. So I checked my real estate and boy, it jumped 15% year over year. And suddenly I felt a little bit better. Think about the weather. Renting or purchasing a home in a location where weather is tough, it's always going to be tough, probably, right? And if you purchase a beachfront house, you're always going to have a beachfront house. So think about the weather when buying real estate. Whether you're going to live in it or retire in it. Um, CFP Chad Burton talked about how practicing retirement, you should do an Airbnb in the city that you want to retire in, just in case it's not the city that you're living in now. Yeah, I would even consider renting for a year if that's your if that's your thing. Now, to keep up with real estate prices, you can dump your down payment in a a real estate investment trust. You can dump it in a low cost. Um low volatility, head exchange rate of fund. There's ways of saying, okay, I don't want to get priced out while this happens. But practice, it's it's okay to live in a, a home for a year of someone else's home in retirement. It's not the end of the world. You may find like, oh, Miami's got too many old people. I don't want to live there after all. You may go, oh, like, I go to dinner at five because that's the time I get hungry and everyone else goes to dinner at five. You're like, that's not cool either. You may find that getting an appointment at a doctors is tough because there's so many people trying to get appointments with doctors. Practice retirement. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show.
0: Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show.
1: Questions about how to invest in your
0: retirement? Check out robblackshow.com and get in on the conversation. Subscribe to the podcast and video channels. No one cares more about your money than you do. It's time to start to feel good about your financial future. RobBlackShow.com.
1: RobBlackShow.com. Hints, tips, and tricks. Things to get you to retirement. This is a podcast broadcast you can listen to a few times. And you can probably hear me jump from thought to thought to thought if you think about it. I last said consider renting where you might retire. Consider living abroad um cfp chad burton from eb wealth i've talked to him in the past about his father retiring in um a south american latin american country and he loves it and he doesn't mind not living in the united states and he's enjoying his limited number of days on the planet because we're all limited i'm not saying his dad's gonna die anytime soon but that's his thing um he fits in there and he loves it I fear living abroad unless they speak English because I've never been a master of languages. I've been very, very good. The best language I can speak other than English is French. And uh, I don't know it well enough to like know that I'm not getting ripped off in a poker game. You know, I know it well enough to travel. And uh, I know you're saying poker. I don't even play poker. I was just trying to, to string something along there that, that made sense um in retirement i know this for a fact i want to live in one story i think the longer i live with stairs the longer you stay alive but the longer i live with stairs the more likely i'm coming tumbling down them so there's a teeter-totter with me on the days that i don't get out and run or you know work out stairs are a much better than just sitting on my butt and going on flat land If you're going to retire in a city, try it out first. If you haven't lived in a city before, I like the idea of walking to get groceries and walking to the movie theaters and not driving. I have a fear of being that old person who doesn't drive well and doesn't want to give it up. In my heart, I know that I want to give it up. I saw my mom after she had a stroke. Now, before she had a stroke, but she was starting to get dementia and Alzheimer's. And the two don't fit with driving. Now, again, maybe by the time we retire, we'll all be autonomous drivers and Ubers and Lyfts. Maybe not. But city living to me is attractive. Um, But again, I also want to be on the bottom floor, less attractive all of a sudden, right? Move closer to the grandchildren. I think that is, in my heart of hearts, a great idea. And I don't want to tell my kids to live on the West Coast. My spouse wants to live on the West Coast. My kids move to the East Coast. I'm moving to the East Coast. Because you know who wants to change uh, grandkids' diapers? Me. I'm only going to be left on this planet for so many days, and if I get to see that, I'll be a very happy man. Um, When you're younger, consider moving to a college town. When you're middle age, consider moving to a college town for investment reasons. Colleges have hospitals, and colleges have renters and diverse economies. They're not all tech jobs. So when a tech company gets antitrust scrutiny and has to shut up, shut down or break down out uh, parts of the company, it doesn't, you know, 10,000 people didn't just lose their job in your neighborhood. I like college towns. They've also tend to be on middle size. So you tend to be a little bit more affordable than big cities. Look at active retirement communities. Um, I hate saying this out loud because it just shows that we're all going to die. but. My in-laws live in a community that has kind of like the younger old folks, 65 to 75. And then they have an area for the 80 plus who are going to need doctors and nurses who come to your house or you can move into a home that the nurses and doctors come to. It's a retirement community. I never want to be a drag on my kids. This is a horrible thing to say, but I do know people have committed suicide in retirement because they became a drag to the world in their mind. And I, I don't want to put my kids in that. Why did dad shoot himself? And yet I know I'm like, I don't want to put them through a bad situation. How honest of a thought is this show? Um, get some pricing on full spectrum kind of facilities. See how expensive it is. So you're not shocked. When your parents go into full time care, or you don't shock your spouse or your children when you go in. So, if you do it when you're 60, 65, I, I would consider going to a winery. Just get some prices. And you can even do it in Sonoma and Napa. You can do it in the lovely part of the world. Go to old folks' homes and say, hey, yeah, my mom and dad, they need help. Uh, can we get a, a pricing uh, schedule? Um, I have a CPA and I love it because he tells me what my taxes is going to be next year. And it gets a little complicated because I have real estate out of the state and I have business interests. It's not just my income. So um, I use the CPA. I like the designation. It's in my 20s, I did not. In my early 30s, I did not. But as I became wealthier, I did. Intuit and and TurboTax were more than enough when I was just an income kind of guy. But I would imagine with divorce and with kids, which I'm lucky enough; I did not have kids in my first marriage. My first marriage was a joke. Um, it was bad punchline. She was in Playboy. <laughs> like I have that on the resume of this is not going to end well. <sighs> Keep in mind, she wasn't in Playboy before I met her it, at all. I I don't even want to talk about it anymore. It's stupid. Um. I look at my financial team as a team. So I have a financial planner, Brad at EP Wealth. Um, There's a lot of financial planners at EP Wealth that you can use, but they work well with my tax accountant, my CPA. Highly recommend you think of yourself as having a team of an estate planner to help you, someone with taxes and someone with investments. And they should all work together, not step on each other's toes. Um, twice a year, I look at everything I own. Sometimes I look at it quarterly. So I'm constantly going back to things that are in my life, financially speaking, every three months or twice a year. Sometimes it's like right after my birthday. Sometimes it's right at the beginning of the year. It's something along those big monument kind of dates in your life that it's a good time to check in. For instance, I have some life insurance that I really don't no longer need. You get life insurance in case you die and your family needs your income. I could probably let that go. I need to check in on that. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Resources to help you manage your money. Visit robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Welcome in, Rob Black, getting your money. I'm Rob Black talking about getting you enough assets to get you to retirement. I don't think there's an algorithm, but it's pretty darn close. There's hints, tips, and tricks, which used to be the term for algorithm for us growing up in the 80s and 90s before we knew what Google and algorithms were all about. Um, This is a little bit of a stream of conscious thing. So just go with it. It's a podcast that you can re-listen to. It's a webcast that you can re-listen to, a radio show. And I think you can get something out of it. Like saving money. And letting it work for you is maybe not something you ever thought of and maybe you look at your life right now and say am i doing that or am i living paycheck to paycheck you keep hearing statistics about large percentages of america living paycheck to paycheck and then you hear about wage inflation like they're still living paycheck to paycheck but they have a little bit extra money when i was in my 20s and 30s as the first couple paychecks i i couldn't possibly stretch any further because it was, a lot of it was going into my rent. A lot of it was going into my automobile. A lot of it was going into... But then as I got raises, I was like, you know what? I could keep the same rent. I can keep the same automobile. And now I can start to save. And that was a moment for me. I don't want to be a paycheck-to-paycheck kind of man. Um, then I started learning about things like 401ks, where I worked at a lot of restaurants in college. Um, and some of them offered 401ks and I was like, I don't know, I'm not going to be here long enough to really benefit from a red lobster 401k. I should have, but it got my, my appetite wet was like, what was that all about? That they were talking about 401k is just a, a line of code in the IRS. I believe that Congress created that basically said, you know, you don't have to pay federal taxes on money that you save for yourself so you can supplement your social income retirement. Social security. I think I said that right. Um, I think in your 20s, it's really important to get some sort of coaching mentor. I think I've been that for a lot of people who are listening right now. And and I'm proud of that. I'm not a humanitarian. I'm not going to win Times Man of the Year. I might win an Academy Award, and the winner is Black, Rob Black. Um really stupid idea. But also in my 20s, I learned to have a will. Or even not even just a will, but the paperwork that you fill out for 401ks, 403Bs, paperwork that you fill out for your bank account, that kind of starts the process for you. Of who do you get, who gets your money when you die? Start doing that and allocating it correctly. And if things don't work out with your sugar booger. When she leaves you for, let's see, how shall we say, someone who's on the board of directors of Louis Vuitton, Malaya, Hennessy. <laughs> no, I kicked her out. She didn't leave me. I said, nope, I will not stand for this. And she said, okay, bye. Um, you got to update those. So I was in love with Juliet. I was in love with Cindy. And they were going to be my beneficiaries. And it didn't work out like that. And I'm, I've, I'm glad I update the paperwork, right? It's kind of like a will before you have a well. Um, I've got a very clear Living Well. It says my what my wishes are today. I could be driving down the road and a car could veer into my lane, and it could take me out and put me in a coma. I could have trouble breathing, my spine to be snapped. And there's like, let's keep him on life support just in case we come out with a new way of turning him into Robo Cop. I don't want to be Robo Advisor. I don't want to be Robocop. Unplug me. Do it on a weekend. Everyone can think about it for three days. (coughs) Let me go. Um, I don't want to be Darth Vader. I I don't want to be a burden. I know you're saying, do you want me to put a pillow over your face? No, I don't want that. But you get the idea. Um, Because I live in California, I have a trust. Probate in California is very expensive. I had a will until I had a home. I had a will until I had kids. I had a will before I had an estate. And LegalZoom.com is okay for a will. Is it great? Nope. Is it serviceable? I think it's a step in the right direction until you turn 35. Um, I'm not shy about introducing people at parties. I'm not shy about introducing people who are in my financial world. Um, My spouse and I both came into the marriage with good assets. Um, She had a home that her her, uh, previous beau lived in. Um, So she had to decide what to do with that. I'm like, let me take the sting out of this for you. You keep yours and I'll keep mine and we'll figure this out later. And, you know, deciding that helps. But one thing that I did once we got engaged and married was I said, here's my financial planner. I want you to meet him. So she's been invited to every single meeting ever since then. It's horrible to do, but having a budget is super helpful. Having a budget will show you who you really are. And there's a lot of good apps out there. And I'll I'll throw down one, but you might know another one. Um, Money Intelligence, Mint. I used to know the founder 20 years ago, M-I-N-T, Aaron Pasker. And he sold the company to Intuit. And basically what Mint did was it used your banking codes and It got into your bank account and got into your brokerage accounts and figured out how much money you had and how much you were spending. For a budget, it's very, very helpful. And it was read-only so he could never actually get into your account and and do transactions. Banks are pretty safe online, I want to say, as long as people don't get your password. I, I believe in everything in between the password. Password's the tricky part for me. But right. mint, M-I-N-T.com, is great because you can build a budget, and I love that. You can see how much you're spending on alcohol, how much you're spending on movies, how much you're spending on your 401k. And It's a little bit of a pain in the butt to, to keep up date. You have to go in once a month and say, okay, um, what is Holly Street? Oh, you're like, oh, that's where I pick up like beer and eggs. That's the 7-Eleven Quick Mart. Do I count that as groceries? Yes. Or do you count it as alcohol? Probably. Groceries are going to read probably like Safeway. And you're like, you have to sometimes, Mint doesn't understand that. So you put in Safeway as groceries. And then you see your budget. And it, it, it's eye-opening for a lot of people. How much you spend on clothing versus how much you spend on restaurants versus how much you, you get the idea. Have a budget and be grown up about it. Use this outside accounting scenario. I think Learn Rest has one. Um. E-Money has one with EP Wealth. The group we use is E-Money, and it's fantastic. Um, This has been a year of getting a new home, which means a lot of new furniture. So it it, kind of screwed up my budget. But I can look at previous years and kind of get it back to where I need to get it back to. Um, I look at finance as something you should take very, very seriously. And I know making love is wonderful. And I know seeing the world is wonderful but I look at the idea of finance as just as important to a relationship as you know uh, intimacy. It's because if you ignore it, it turns into a massive, massive zit. And when it bursts, it's ugly. I never really had bad acne as a kid. I got that going for me. And I've got good eyesight. which And the llama has given me eternal peace, which is nice. So I got some things going in my direction. Take your life seriously, both intimately, career-wise, and your financial life. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, hints, tips, tricks to get to your retirement. Talk to you soon. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show.